Hello, everyone. Welcome to a second season of the Game Point Pod. It's been so long since we last spoke about basketball, which means there is a new season upon us. For those new listeners out there, we appreciate you tuning in. My name is Fata, and I got my main man, my co-host in the building. Yazin, what's going on, man? Oh, oh! You thought we were done, huh? You thought you thought the Instagram went a little cold, huh? You thought you thought this was just a one-time thing? Nah, no, no, no! You thought we're back, we're better than ever. Full season, eighty-two games. Let's go, man! Let's get it, man! I'm pumped. I didn't realize my appreciation for basketball as soon as the off-season hit, even though it was a short one. Man, there was so much going on, which we'll get to in a second. As you are aware, the NBA, there's a lot going on. And considering where we're going to start off with, we got some off-season and preseason items that we'd like to touch on briefly. And then our favorite part, talking season predictions. I am excited. Yazin is excited. And we're sure as hell hope that you are excited as well. Let's get the show on the road and let's drop that beat. So on this week's segment of Run That, I wanted to run down some key points from the offseason. First and foremost, I would like to officially congratulate the Milwaukee Bucks on winning the NBA championship last season. It wasn't as exciting of a finals as we all hoped, but it wasn't pretty at times as well. But in the end, Giannis was able to muster up the effort and cross the biggest item on his NBA bucket list, bringing an NBA championship to a team that has given him a chance to play at the highest level. Speaking of that, what are your thoughts, Yazin, as we reflect on the ending of last season? Yeah, we uh, we weren't able to record right after the season ended, right after the championship, so we couldn't really get the the, the jubilation of, of the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm so happy for Giannis. Uh, the fact that he won his first championship, uh, you know, and the way he did it, going down 0-2 and then coming back and just just taking over, and we have that iconic alley oop play uh, from I believe Game Five, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or, or Game Six. But just just putting the hammer down, taking over, man. No one can stop him. We thought we thought it would be sort of a little evenly matched, a great defensive team. But but Giannis just proved he was he was otherworldly, um, and and it was just so great to see uh, his his hard work was was rewarded. You know, he said, "I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna make it happen here." He took a shot at all these other all these other superstars that go and move and go to different places. He said, "I'm gonna do it here," and I, and he did exactly that. So kudos to the Greek freak. Yeah, no doubt. And also, this is a huge dub on superstar players in small markets. You know, everyone thought about, you know, maybe this comes to a point where the super team situation is going to arise again with a lot of these small market teams kind of dying down, kind of like Portland, that we, as we discussed, and then Giannis potentially leaving in the offseason. But he ended up trying to break this cycle by saying, listen, I'm going to sign this five-year extension. I want to do it my way. And so he does it. He puts it in pen to paper, gets his championship. And man, I'm honestly, you start to see this big jump and this big growth from Giannis as a series progress, right? At the very beginning, he was slightly hurt from the previous series, but for him to come in there and still show that, hey, I'm that guy, I want to be the focal point of this offense and take them to the motherland is, is something that speaks volumes to me, even though that it could hurt his team ultimately, but it didn't. And then when we talk about his free throw shooting, I mean, it was absolutely abysmal to start, right? 
I think it was shooting about, I want to say, 60%, and that's being generous. Up until the final game, game six, closing it out at home, was able to shoot 17 of 19 from free throws. Like, I mean, you couldn't write the script any better. It was almost like a movie-esque ending, kind of like a Disney ending, so to speak. I mean, it was so unbelievable, and the fact that he was able to bring that home, win it for the city of Milwaukee, but also, like I said, to kind of wrap things all up, Major props and major dubs for players that stick in with their market. Obviously, not all of them could win like Giannis, but it goes to show that, hey, if you put in the work, you get the correct pieces around you, the organization puts their full trust in you, and it starts to work out. Giannis is a living, breathing example of that. But once again, I'm really proud of what Giannis has done, and congratulations once again to the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and kudos to that Milwaukee Bucks front office. They took... A lot of risks to get that roster the way it is. They, they gave away three first-round draft picks for Drew Holiday, uh, who was, a, I mean, gosh, when you talk about a crucial, crucial player in that, that net series when he came up big, uh, and then defensively in, that, uh, in the finals, I mean, you know, they gave up a lot for Drew Holiday, and people were thinking, oh, my God, three draft picks for, for Drew Holiday? Listen, it worked. Got him a championship. Uh, not only that, I mean, they brought up a lot of other guys like P.J. Tucker, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez, like they spent a lot of money in the, and they spent a lot of capital to get these guys, this ensemble mm-hmm. to get this this team. And I mean, it worked. Your your whole goal is to win a championship. Now they look like they can win multiple championships probably with this core group. Um, so sometimes it's worth the risk. And again, seeing Giannis crying after that that finals win, uh, you know, and, and just seeing the emotion in his face. He's a, he's a he's a big kid. Uh, you know, at, at the heart of it, he, he's. I saw a video of him when he was, uh, you know, maybe a preteen, just wiping the floor down when, in, in in his old Greek games uh, back home in Greece. Mm-hmm. And really, he's really humble, and 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 he made it the right way. So, you know, it, it, kudos to him. I, I just love him as a human being. I love him as a player. And and if I have to root for anyone in the world to win a championship, that's not on my team. It's got to be Giannis, man. Yeah, no doubt. And once again, I like to mention uh, the great season that the Phoenix Suns has had. Like, I mean, they beyond exceeded expectations from being the number one, sorry, the number two seed in the West, making it all the way to the NBA Finals, as well as taking out the previous champs, the Los Angeles Lakers, in six games. The the growth of this team from being the bottom of the basement in the Western Conference with the addition of Chris Paul was able to put Devin Booker in a season in which he's never saw in his career, which was the playoffs, right? So I I don't want to take anything away from that. They've done well. But at the end of the day, it might be the only chance that they make the finals. You know, we already see Golden State re-upping. Now they're going to get Klay Thompson back. Uh, Lakers are a bit stronger now. I mean, this that was their probably their only chance of winning a championship. But hey, who knows? The NBA is kind of crazy. I wouldn't be shocked. You know what? You, you want them to have another win- chance to win a championship? Pay DeAndre Ayton. Pay DeAndre Ayton. They just paid Mikhail Bridges. They just gave him an extension mm-hmm. today. Pay DeAndre Ayton. You don't get to where you are without that man. Pay the man. He's so young. He's so talented. You you want to compete for the next five to ten years with him and Booker and you know however long else Chris Paul. Pay DeAndre Ayton and you'll be just fine. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, the Suns front office has a lot to do. And obviously, James Jones, former Miami Heat, former Braun teammate there. Uh, I'm sure he has his hands full as to what he's going to do in terms of balancing that roster out. But the past is the past. Let's move on over to our new chapter, new season, who this, new year, new me situation. And let's briefly discuss this very interesting free agency where blockbuster trades and signings were made back in August. 
let's identify the biggest acquisition and the most questionable acquisitions offseason. I'll go first. And obviously, let's talk about the big acquisition. And coming from my homer side, I personally think that the addition of Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat has been the biggest free agent move of the offseason. When you take a step back and kind of oversee this process, bringing in a guy that bodes well with not only the culture in South Beach, but also provide that much-needed skill set that they so desperately lacked. We're talking about three-point shooting, being a floor general, making other players better, and giving them easy looks. Mark my words, I will say this. You will see a career year from Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero as when you look at Kyle Lowry and what he brings to the table, he alleviates the pressure by bringing in his savvy vet-like style of play as well as bailing them out with his supplemental scoring and his heads-up defensive prowess. So Miami Heat, obviously, they had some issues last year, now bringing a guy like Kyle Lowry, obviously subtracting Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. It's still a big deal bringing Lowry in and then bringing in complimentary guys like Markeith Morris, uh, P.J. Tucker, and also re-signing Victor Oladipo, which to, to me was, I thought was going to be the biggest trade deadline acquisition last year, but obviously didn't pan out due to the fact that he was hurt. But I feel like if he's able to muster up just 60% of the Victor Oladipo that we saw back in Indiana when during his all-star runs, this Miami Heat team is going to be absolutely scary, especially with the Brooklyn Nets team that doesn't have Kyrie Irving, which will talk about in a second but let's talk about your biggest offseason acquisition Yezin talk to us bro I mean you know what talking about being a homer I I gotta be completely objective on this I think the Knicks acquiring Kemba Walker on a I believe a two (sighs) for eight for eight million dollars a year you're gonna do this to me man already like the first season like I don't want to be I don't want to be in the in the dog pound here slandering the New York Knicks Are, are we serious right now we are dead serious right now. We're talking about a man. Hey. We're talking about a man who had a, a, a enormous contract that Boston needed to get out of, and and was just playing terribly. And people wrote him off, and people said he was done. He was the guy just turned thirty. He's he's in his very early thirties. He doesn't have like this horrid injury history. Uh, he gets bought out by Oklahoma City. He signs with the Knicks for an, on an eight year deal. Uh, eight, excuse me, $8 million a year deal for, I believe, two years. Talk about a bargain move. I mean, come on. You, you, I mean, people are, are going to bag on them for having all this cap space and not signing this very splashy name. But this free agency did not have that sort of flashy name. There's a lot of guys out there who were good, kind of good. And, you know, there was the idea of maybe I can, you know, punt this cap space to next year. Sure. But at some point, you got to spend it. you got to win, and the time is now. And to me, when you're talking about a bargain, you're talking about someone who's going to play well above the contract they earned, Kemba Walker, man, is going to be dollar for dollar the best signing this year. There's a lot of, there's a lot of other ones. I mean, I'm going to talk Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. Lonzo Ball, I think, Agreed. was not playing up to his potential in New Orleans. I think he needed a fresh start. And now he has to play with DeMar DeRozan. He gets to play with Vucevic. He gets to play with Levine. Uh, you know, that's going to be a very exciting team out east. And, and we've already seen him in the preseason. He's playing differently. He's shooting at a higher clip. Uh, he's playing more fluidly. So, uh, you know, he's one. He's if I had to put it in, like, big signing, big splash signing, uh, category Lonzo would be up there, and then like bargain deal would be Kemba Walker. But um, needless to say, the East got a lot 
better. You're talking about Lowry to the Heat. You're talking about Lonzo and DeMar to the Bulls. You're talking about Kemba and Evan Fournier to the Knicks. A lot of teams in the East got really good. So this free agency really shifted things. I think we're in a new era of the of the NBA. It's completely new. Uh, new, really good teams uh, have kind of moved up. Some teams have moved down. But free agency really showed that, you know, anything really is possible with where these guys can go. I see this more of a transitional phase where we start to see a lot of these star-studded players like LeBron, KD, and whatnot kind of like coming on their quote-unquote decline same thing with Steph Curry you know they're getting up there in age right and you're starting to see that some of the younger stars are taking over like Luca, Trey, Jason Tatum whatever case may be so I feel like we're at that transitional standpoint where we're trying to kind of figure out leveling the playing field as to who's going to be those players or those teams that are gonna compete for years to come so I'm really excited as to how this will turn out but getting back to your pick, uh, your value pick of uh, Kemba Walker to the Knicks, do you think Kemba Walker is a Tom Thibodeau guy? Or in other words, is, Tom, is he a Tom Thibodeau type of player? Because I mean, with Tom Thibodeau's system, I feel like it's more suited to guys that he likes, you know, very tenacious on the defensive end, heads up, smart player. And I, I don't know if Kemba fits that bill. Obviously, he's gifted offensively, but there could be some questions on his defensive ability uh, in order to keep a guy in front of him and also uh, help from a team standpoint. So what do you think about that? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Kemba is not a defensive stopper by any means. I think he is a liability on defense. Um, but if you saw his press conference, uh, one of the reporters asked Kemba, are you going to play back to back? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Ask coach. Coach kind of laughs. He goes, yep, you're playing. Uh, so he's going to buy into that mentality. He's a Bronx guy. He grew up in the Bronx. Uh, you know, he's, he's a New Yorker through and through. And the best part about that, when you talk about his defensive liability, that team plays team defense. Uh, it's not a one-on-one defensive, you know, uh, team uh, where, you know, a, a guy just has to play, a, a, you know, uh, the offensive player one-on-one and kind of leave him on island. No, they play team defense. They have so much depth at that guard position. Uh, with Rose and Quickly and Grimes and McBride and you could put you know Barrett there you could put Fournier there there's a lot of depth there so that he won't be necessarily exploited on defense I think the team defense will be good I think they brought back Noel uh, Robinson's coming back uh, so the paint is going to be heavily guarded uh, you know the wings are, are going to be there for help defense so it's going to be an adjustment for Kemba Walker but again like you you spent eight million dollars on this guy I mean at worst you know what, he's, he's a write-off and, and you get some of your younger guys playing. At best, you have a former All-Star living up to his, you know, his credibility, his credence. Uh, I, I don't see any scenario in which he's completely washed and ready to be out of the league. He, that, that's not the case whatsoever. So uh, defensively, yeah, he, he, he will have trouble, but that team just plays team defense. So that's why I think that the signing offensively just completely... And also, can we, can we just talk about the elephant in the room? He's no Alfred Payton. I would have taken anyone over Alfred Payton. I would that have drafted you over Alfred Payton. I would have taken myself at point guard and have no dribble over Alfred Payton. Anyone is an improvement over Alfred Payton. So that's why it's a money signing to me. But the one, thing I don't get, the one thing I don't get is why they keep signing this guy. I, like, I know he's not with the Knicks anymore, but like, I think that was like his second or third stint in New York. Or, like, or am I bugging? 
Twice, yeah. They Twice, re-signed yeah. him after his first year, which was abysmal. They brought him back. Right. After his second year was equally as bad. And now he's gone. So, thankfully, <laughs> he's gone. Uh, I, I'm much happier now as a Knicks fan with Kemba Walker in tow. So, a great free agency for them. A great free agency for the entire Eastern Conference, mostly. Uh, and like you said, it's a new NBA. A lot of guys are on the decline. A lot of guys are on the way up. Full 82-game season, first one in two years. I mean, this is mm-hmm. going to be real, real grind. Yeah, no doubt. Well, well, let's just hope that Tom Thibodeau doesn't run Kemba Walker to the ground, as obviously he has a um, a knack for <laughs> playing his players unlimited minutes. So um, I'm sure he will figure something out. But I do agree with you that is uh, it, it is a a low risk, high reward signing considering the amount of money that they've dedicated and allocated to Kemba Walker. So it's going to be interesting. And then getting onto Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls. I mean, they've had. If I look at it from a team standpoint, they had the best offseason from a team standpoint where, you know, they're bringing in guys like Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. You got DeMar DeRozan as well. I mean, those are some key big pieces uh, to surround Zach Levine and Vucevic around. And, you know, obviously with uh, Chicago Bulls not being able to meet expectations last year, the front office had to do something. Zach Levine is going to be a free agent next year. You want to be able to retain your guys. And the only way you can retain your stars nowadays is surround them with quality talent so kudos to the bulls front office i'm really looking forward to see what this bulls team can do and hopefully make the playoffs and go deep i feel like making the playoffs isn't enough i think they need to maybe win a series or two so we'll see what happens but i'm pretty excited like you mentioned first 82 game season uh kicking off this tuesday so looking forward to it i can't believe you just lumped out caruso with DeRozan and lonzo and guys show man guys guys I see the memes. I see the Jordan Caruso. Caruso meme. Jordan, yeah, those are the same. Guys, oh god, uh, the gray hairs are growing in my head every time I see that man. This guy is like a six point per game person. I don't understand it. Bro, just, are you telling me? Are you telling me if Caruso was playing for the Knicks, he would not be a fan favorite? <laughs> I mean, that might change. Well, he would be a god in New York. That's how. That's how. <laughs> that's how obnoxious and outrageous New York Knicks fans are at times when there's like a scrub player that just shows half the effort i don't know i I love me as a scrub player like anyone else does but that's for my own team but in general let's call a spade a spade here we're not not lumping caruso caruso in with the mar de and lonzo ball like he's a (laughs) secondary player at best come on we'll see we'll see but let's uh head on over to the second part of the question what is what do you think is the worst off-season acquisition to you um, yeah, we're talking about questionable offseason acquisitions. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the Cleveland Cavaliers um, acquiring Larry Markinen by trade. Uh, they have just too many forwards on that team. They signed, they drafted Evan Mobley, they re-signed uh, Jared Allen. They still have Kevin Love. They just got Markinen. I mean, what? What is that team's identity? What is that direction? In a year where everyone was kind of getting better, the East is getting better, like we mentioned. Uh, you had the money, you had the cap. You had the the trade assets, and you go and get another power forward. Um, I, I I don't see how that's going to work. I mean, uh, you have to assume Kevin Love is probably on his way out of there, but I mean, it, he doesn't seem eager to leave by any means. Well, Sexton I mean, he has twenty five million reasons why to stay. 
And <laughs> I don't blame the guy, but but I mean, how are you gonna get the? I mean, we're gonna talk about you know marking and playing the three. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't. It just didn't. Oh, they also had that Larry Nance, I believe. Yeah, I mean, in this today's NBA, I wouldn't be surprised if we see marking and play the three. I mean, he could, but from a defensive standpoint, there's no way in hell he can guard a three. Oh yeah, no. And what is Mobley playing a four? Or Allen playing a four? You're gonna you're gonna tell me that they're gonna cover guys like Kevin Durant on the wing, and you know, <laughs> good like, luck. It's good luck. You know, good luck. So a little a little surprising there why why they would go that way. Cleveland's kind of a mess right now. They don't really have much of a direction. So I mean, hey, good on them for getting assets, but at the same time, mm, it remains to be seen what they're gonna do with it. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Like the Cleveland front office has a lot of questions that need to be answered. I mean, when you when you take a step back and you look at the draft, right? You have an impending free agent in Jared Allen, who was an RFA, I think he was, and signing him to a hundred million dollar contract. I thought will change the way. Yeah, I thought. I thought that this would be the most daunting sign that they would switch their draft strategy and not draft another big and but Cleveland's gonna Cleveland and they take Evan Mobley I get it it's best player available but I feel like at this point they need to figure out a way to put the pieces together they already was able to get a lot of high lottery picks in the past and I feel like bringing the best player available isn't their best strategy as of right now and they did it anyways now you got Evan Mobley and you got Jared Allen then you bring a guy like Larry Nance Jr. from a trade with I believe Portland it's just a mess, right? Like you have a log jam of power forwards and centers. And as a Cleveland front office, in order to figure out, okay, am I going to trade some of these players? I'm going to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to bring another forward, another power forward, so to speak. And that is the seven footer Laurie Markkinen. And I do agree with you that on many levels, this was not the fit. I was hoping that he was going to, he was going to sign in Charlotte. But it didn't work out that way. Obviously, Laurie Markkinen is looking for the goo-op, for the money. And I don't know. It, it's going to be a lot for the Cleveland Cavaliers to figure out as to what pieces they're going to put around. I'm sure that Kevin Love will be traded later in the season. But as of right now, he's not interested in a buyout with his $25 million deal pending. Either they're going to trade him away in the future or they're going to let him walk as a free agent. But the Cleveland Cavaliers have a lot of questions that they need to answer, and I don't know if a lot of these choices that they've made over the last month or two is going to work out for this team moving forward. So I'll leave it at that. My most questionable offseason acquisition is the Russell Westbrook trade to the Lakers. I personally do not see a need of a Westbrook outside of his competitiveness you know, the Lakers were lacking a bit of the competitiveness and the dogness, and I thought that maybe Westbrook could be that person to help facilitate that. But when you look at it from a skill set standpoint, I just don't see the fit. When you truly take a step back and look at a skill set, LeBron already provides that, if not more, you know, with the, with the playmaking ability, the, the motor, the shooting. He just does it all better than Westbrook. They traded away their entire bench depth. We're talking KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell for a player who is not only a negative shooter, but also a turnover machine. So I don't think that helps LeBron in any way, unless LeBron has some kind of voodoo magic to help fix players. But I don't think that's the case. And in addition to that, 
They signed Rajon Rondo. So now there seems to be way too many cooks in the kitchen with the ball-dominant players. And Frank Vogel really looks to have his hands full trying to figure out this dynamic. We shall see, but I just didn't like it and still don't like that fit. I, I, I th- I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that you said Russell Westbrook because a lot of people would say that was a, a, a great deal. Uh, you know, Lakers and are going to win the championship now. Um, but the fit is definitely understated. Uh, I, I, you're right. I don't think he, he fits in super well. But I'm going to be a contrarian here and actually disagree and say that, that it makes it wor- them worse. Um, I, I know that, yeah, they traded away a lot of depth there. Um, but they did sign a lot of guys, um, you know, Dwight Howard, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, they filled in pretty admirably. I mean, I, Malik Monk could be a bucket, uh, you know, on any given night. You know, we're talking about a former lottery pick here. Um and to me, I think the the one thing that's not stated enough is is Russell's Westbrook's relationship with LeBron James. Uh, Russell's never really played with. I mean, since Durant has not played with like a, an alpha like that. He hasn't played with a guy who he respects, admires, is friends with. Uh, I, I don't. You can talk about. You can say Harden, but I don't think Harden's on that same level as a, as a leader with those other two guys. Um, and I think this will get the best out of Russell Westbrook. I think that Russell Westbrook is going to uh, have to play within his means. Uh, he, he can't. I don't think he's going to have the leash to be able to to chuck up a bunch of shots and, and build bricks and you know uh, and just have complete leeway on the offense. I think he's going to have to play within the offense. And I think LeBron and Vogel and staff are going to be able to to rein that in. I think this is a it's definitely an upgrade from whoever they had, uh, you know, playing point last year and that, that sort of guard roles. And, uh, you know, he we saw him with um, in better half of the season with uh, with Washington. I mean, he, he brought that team to that play in tournament himself, really. Um, so I think it's a good signing at the end of the day or rather, I believe it's a trade, a good trade at the end of the day. They filled in those gaps nicely. And, you know, LeBron James is just a different kind of player when you're talking about influence on other players. So uh, I, I think he, he's going to have a positive influence on him, and I think it's going to actually be a good move for them. I don't know. From a skill st- standpoint, I'm still stuck on you know the fit. I don't, I don't know if that's going to fit, but uh, I do know that they were able to replenish the loss of that bench depth with you know guys like Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, Mello, and a few others. And we shall see how things go. LeBron James obviously does have a knack for you know elevating his stars, but also a knack on butting heads with other stars. So, I mean, the whole dynamic and knowing the fact that LeBron's time is numbered from a career standpoint and his will to win, we'll see if it gets in the way with Westbrook's hunger and competitiveness to be that alpha. So, I don't know, we'll see, but I just don't like the fit, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, on paper, you're right. But again, LeBron James is just, you can't measure like him on even paper. Saw, like, I know I know people don't take preseason as, as a as a litmus test, but I certainly do. Westbrook's a mess, man. This guy is a turnover machine. And I I, I know we're going to get to a point in the season where there's going to be critical games, critical moments in the game where LeBron is going to give that, what are you doing, J.R. Smith face to Westbrook? And it's going to all hell breaks loose. I know it's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be earlier or later or even in the playoffs, but I know that time is going to happen. If that was able to trigger KD, obviously he's a very you know, sensitive guy, but, you know, it took a lot for Katie to swallow what Westbrook was doing, but with LeBron James and, you know, the schedule that he's on in his career and his will to 
chase Michael Jordan and his quest for winning rings, Westbrook's got to correct himself. So we'll see if he's able to humble himself or not. I'm sure we will talk about this during the uh, the standings predictions later on. Yep. All right. So let's now talk about our favorite part of the episode, which is season award predictions. We had a lot of time to think about, you know, with all the off-season acquisitions, as well as the team rosters kind of filling in together and star players getting healthy. It comes to a point where, you know, because the season is starting on Tuesday, we want to talk about exactly who is going to be the NBA champion, the rookie of the year, the coach of the year, the defensive player of the year, the sixth man of the year. I mean, this is an exciting time for us to put our predictions out. And I'll go with you, Yazin. Who do you think is going to be the MVP of the 2021-22 NBA season? So last year we had Jokic uh, as our MVP. And I think he did, he did great. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in the playoffs, they faltered a little bit. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to an old reliable here, and I'm going to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I think he's he's rejuvenated. He's he's focused. He just won a championship. I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. I don't even know if this is his prime, which is a very scary thought. Uh, you know, Giannis put the team on his back in that Eastern Conference is maybe a little bit more open than, than people think who knows uh you know he he has a command on on that team he has a command on that system with that coach um and i i think that he's just going to get better from here so if i gotta go with that i know it's a boring pick we we you know Giannis has won the MVP before i think i gotta give it to him again yeah i mean that's the very safe pick however i'm kind of worried if voter fatigue will set in uh with these mvp picks obviously with lebron james Technically, he could be the MVP every single year for the most part. But voter fatigue kicks in, and I'm not sure if it's going to kick in on Giannis. I will still go with that Giannis pick only because of what I've seen in the offseason. And, I mean, we talked about Giannis and his ability or inability, rather, to shoot the basketball. You know, he was very inefficient over the course of last year as well as the playoffs. But when I watched his preseason games this year, this guy's jumper is super clean. Like, I mean, he was able to muster up and fix up his mechanics, and it just looks so much better. And not only from a look standpoint, I mean, he's sinking these shots from fadeaways to pull-up threes. He has it all now. And if he's able to put that down pat, he will be the scariest player the NBA has ever seen. So I truly believe that his level of play will go up with his ability to shoot the basketball, which will then put the defenses on their heels, figuring out whether he's going to drive in with force or pull up for that J. So the MVP safe pick is definitely going to be Giannis Tenacupo. Yeah, he's only getting better from here, guys. This is nuts. This is crazy. As good as he is, this isn't even the best he's going to be, which is wild. No doubt. So let's head on over to our rookie of the year. This, I was on the fence because typically, you know, people are going to look at, you know, some of the top picks in the draft and think that they might be that pick to be the rookie of the year. So I kind of broke it down to two categories, my rookie of the year safe pick and my rookie of the year dark horse pick. All right. So my rookie of the year safe pick to me is going to be Cade Cunningham. I know it's a very boring pick, but... 
he meets all the traditional criteria to win this award. I mean, when you think about him being a capable scorer, you know, displaying the leadership that he had back at Oklahoma State and, you know, uh, being able to lead that offense to bigger and better things, he's going to get plenty of minutes, plenty of opportunity under Dwayne Casey uh, and being that number one option. Uh, I feel like he might be able to turn things around. They have a very good young core. Obviously, Killian Hayes coming off uh, an injury last year. Uh, they also got uh, Isaiah Stewart. They got Sadiq Bey and a few others. I mean, they, they have a nice small core to grow up with. And I feel like Kay Cunningham could be that guy to kind of put things together. And he was going to have the opportunities. At the end of the day, to win awards, you got to have opportunities. And I feel like with him, he has the biggest opportunity out of all the rookies available. So that is my safe pick. Now, I want to head on over to my dark horse pick. My dark horse pick, to me, is going to be Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets. I've seen him play so far in Summer League and preseason, and boy, this guy is an absolute bucket getter. I mean, he can score through all facets of the game, three-point shooting, mid-range, layups, and he has that ability to be that closer in games. I've seen it in Summer League, and I've also seen it in the preseason and he looks to complement very well with this Brooklyn Nets team. And the reason why I use them as, a, as my dark horse pick is because of the question mark, which is Kyrie Irving, right? If he's not going to be available for this team, there's going to be minutes and shots out there that are going to be available for the guys who take that next level up. You know, you're looking at Patty Mills and a couple other playmakers or even additional shots for James Harden and KD. But I feel like the player that would benefit mostly off this will be Cam Thomas with the scoring ability. And because of him being on a team like the Brooklyn Nets with an opportunity there to be that bench leading score and perhaps, you know, cracking into the roster maybe later in the year or in the future, this is going to be a good pick. So uh, those are my two picks. Kate Cunningham as my safe pick. And if I want to go wild, it's going to be Cam Thomas. That I... So you want to talk about opportunity? You think this guy's going to get opportunity to stay on the floor enough to be rookie of the year? I mean, we're gonna are we gonna talk about think a guy? So. Well, well, depending on Kyrie Irving, right? If Kyrie Irving is out, it's going to be the next man up. I think Patty Mills is going to start uh, ahead of Kyrie Irving, and then you know the guy on the bench coming off with all the shots that he can get. You know, it could be it could be Cam Thomas. So I, I like the way he's playing. He he kind of plays like a vet. It's kind of weird to say for a rookie, but. I really like the way he's playing, and I feel like being in the spotlight under the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving out could bode well. But if Kyrie comes back, obviously that is going to be a wash. So my safe pick is Kate Cunningham. But if if Kyrie's out and you know everything's lined up, I feel like Cam Thomas could be that guy. I mean, yeah, if, if he gets the minutes, I've seen him play lights out. I mean, I saw him in summer league just just take over completely. We've seen him in preseason take over completely. Obviously, when you have uh, Harden and 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 Durant and maybe Kyrie, who knows? opportunities are going to be hard to get that's why i don't necessarily see him that is a, like if, if if this was vegas and we you know put a bet down on cam thomas that could cash out pretty well uh, but this is not vegas so i'm going to go with my pick uh and it's going to be jalen green of the houston rockets uh this guy has a chip on his shoulder he wanted to be the number one pick overall uh he falls to number two with houston and i think the difference between him and kate cunningham is that 
Cade Cunningham is really going to be the focal point of that offense almost completely. And he's a point guard, so it's going to come down to him a lot. I think Green has a little more mobility with some of the players around him, kind of taking the pressure off of him. Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, and, and who knows what's going to happen with John Wall. I mean, he's probably going to net some sort of a return in, in a trade that it's inevitably going to happen for him. Uh, and he's uber athletic. We just—I don't know if you saw the highlight of him jumping up to catch a ball that was headed out of bounds. He just wide receiver just, one, wide receiver one numbers. This guy's fantasy football is number one. You know, like he's—he's—he's he's, he's, that was an Odell Beckham type jump. You know, uh, prime Odell, not Browns Odell, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> he's a really a supernova on offense. Uh, he, he's flashy. You know, we all saw his seventies get up on the draft on draft night. Um, so I think this guy's going to be a bona fide superstar. I think he's going to be an all-star. Uh, and I think it starts here. And I think this is his first year in which he proves his, uh, his worth. Uh, and I think he is going to be far and away the rookie of the year. I was worried about choosing him only because of Kevin Porter Jr. And his narrow vision of trying to be that focal point of the offense that could impact Jalen Green negatively. But obviously, uh, I feel like Steven Silas is going to find a way to get those two guys involved and be the... Uh, the two biggest focal points of the offense and Rockets to a situation where they can start building off this team. So uh, I do see where you're coming from, but I was kind of worried about the narrow-mindedness of Kevin Porter Jr. Obviously, you look at his playing style and how that might impact the game. All right, so let's head on over to the sixth man of the year. So who is your pick, Yazin, for this year's sixth man of the year? Yeah, so uh, for sixth man... It, it kind of came down to a couple players here, but the one player I kind of thought of during this whole free agency montage was, uh, you know, the fact that Alonzo Ball is now in uh, Chicago. He's going to be the starting point guard. They already had a pretty decent starting point guard before in Kobe White, and I think he's going to come off the bench now, and I think he's going to flourish out of that second unit with Caruso. Yes, Caruso. People are going to forget about Caruso <laughs> yes. when Kobe White is on uh, the floor. Kobe White was very well, much improved in the second half of the season. Uh, I think he's going to, he's a floor general. He's going to provide a lot of minutes there at point guard. Um, you know, he's going to play with second unit. He's going to come in and, you know, maybe mix and match with Lonzo. He's going to maybe mix and match with DeMar. Um, and I, I think that's what you need in a player like that off the bench. Uh, someone who's a starter who's just getting, uh, who just comes off the bench and plays starter minutes. And that's what I think Kobe White's going to be. So six man of the year is going to be Kobe White for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a very safe pick. You know, with this offense, this revamped offense that the Bulls have, that opens the floodgates for Kobe White to have all the shots in the world to play against other benches and display his offensive prowess. I, I, I do see that happening. Uh, however, for my pick, I feel like, you know, just kind of piggyback off some of the free agency acquisitions. I think that the addition of Kyle Lowry to Miami Heat will bode well for Tyler Hero. I mean, you know, he's come off a, a pretty down sophomore year last year. You know, with high expectations he had in the bubble, people thought that he was going to take another step up. But obviously, he did not show up. And I feel like with a guy like Kyle Lowry coming in and trying to make things easier for the players around him, Tyler Hero will have a shot in, you know, rejuvenating his game and putting himself not in the same conversations as Luca, Trey, and Ja. I just want to put that out there. He's uh, not going to be that guy, okay? Uh, but, that comment. <laughs> I feel like he'll be good enough as being Miami's primary best shot creator off the bench 
to put him in a position to succeed, I feel like Tyler Hero is going to be that guy. So that's my pick. Tyler Hero talks a big game. He does not. He does not back it up, guys. I had him, I believe, as my sixth man last year. Completely utter nonsense from me. Just a terrible pick. <laughs> he just kind of thinks he's in the same category as Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Maybe Huka Doncic, but not Luka Doncic. He's definitely not Luka Doncic level. Trey Young. No, I don't. We saw what Trey Young took a team to the Eastern Conference Finals more or less single-handedly and this guy wants to put his name up there with those guys come on man listen tyler hero you're famous for being a rap song i guess uh you know you're you're, you've had that video of that girl who crashes her car when she comes to see you're not that level you're you're not that guy pal you're not that guy okay (laughs) you're not that guy pal trust me you're not that guy (laughs) so maybe he wins the six man this year maybe he redeems himself but until then Keep Luca and Trey Young's name out your mouth. You know what? I like that kind of confidence, though. Even though it's nowhere close to who he is as a player, but I wouldn't mind if I was Pat Riley to think, hey, look at my third-year player thinking that he is up there. But obviously, it's not a conversation that Pat Riley would like to have, especially when it comes down to contract negotiations later on. I'm sure that's going to be a pain, but... I think that Tyler Hero is going to—he's going to uh, prove himself right, and I think he's going to be the sixth man of the year. So there's, there's confidence and there's delusion, my friend. There's confidence <laughs> and there's delusion. I think he falls <laughs> under delusion. He's not getting that money either. No, no, sir. We shall see, man. We shall see. Most improved player. So I'm trying not to be a homer here, but I feel like the fact that Kyle Lowry has left opened up a lot for the Toronto Raptors from, you know, a vacancy standpoint as who's going to fill that void in terms of shot creating, being the leader of the team, uh, so on and so forth. And I'm sure Fred Van Vliet has been that guy that filled the need for a lot of that. But in terms of being a Toronto go-to guy, I like my odds on OG Ananobi. Coming off a career year last year, he was able to show flashes of being a primary scoring option Uh, And I feel like with Pascal Siakam being out for the first month or so of the season, that would elevate OG Ananobi's play to be that primary number one option and probably run away with that going forward. I mean, he's able to defend at an elite level. He's a good three-point shooter. The two things that he needed to really improve on was his handles and his mid-range game, which he was able to show at a high level during the preseason, as well as Everyone forgets he can also attack inside, right? Being, you know, six foot nine, two thirty. Like he's a big, he's a big kid. So, I mean, he could do it all. And I feel like the leap that he's going to have from last year to this year is going to be big. Obviously, it comes with opportunity, and his opportunity is now to be a primary option and a go-to guy going forward. So, I have OG and Obi as my pick. How about you? You know what? Uh, as much as you've made me disdain the Toronto Raptors um, over the years, uh, I got to give it to OG. I, he's my pick too. Um, I, I've seen a little bit of a glimpse of what he's been doing so far in preseason. He seems to be the number one option. This is a guy who at Indiana was flirting with you know lottery pick before his injury. He was flirted with top five, uh, you know that year, um, and and he has that capability a lot of guys think of him as just a defensive stopper defensive stopper but no he has flashes on offense where he could be the guy um we saw that old pascal old old spicy p there you know isn't really um 
isn't really playing up to that uh, that 2019 Pascal anymore. He's he's not he's not really spicy. He's more like mild P right now. Oh come on, man. Um, and and that's going to leave OG with with more of an opportunity to um to succeed. The one knock on his his um campaign here that we're talking about is the drafting of Scotty Barnes. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes really is a mold of this guy. They're they're very similar, almost body wise, position wise, play. They're very similar guys. A little bit of a head scratcher as to why they picked him over Jalen Suggs, or you know, or who was you know more or less the anointed guy there um, when they moved up in the lottery. So they play the same position, they play the same role. It's gonna be interesting to see how they coexist to one another. But I think OG Ananobi has. Uh, enough he's learned from Kawhi uh, to really take that next step yeah I think when we talk about Scotty Barnes uh, essentially he is a point forward so when you look at his style of play he plays more of like a Draymond Green helping facilitate the offense you know with his large size six foot nine lengthy he could he could see the floor better than anyone at that height so I mean it's it's a perfect opportunity for Van Fleet to also play off ball while OG Ananobi can do his thing as well. So that's why I, I, I do see Toronto going at, in the approach of playing positionless basketball where they have a bunch of guys who are like 6'9 and above. I think that's their aim here. Um, so that's the reason why they took Scotty Barnes in. You know, they see the potential of being the point forward, you know, with his elite play. And I feel like OG Ananobi could benefit off that. However, how Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam coexist, we shall see. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. But... Nick Nurse is a wizard. He's able to figure things out. So let's just leave it at that. Now, let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year. So, Yezin, who do you think is going to be the Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, I'm going to make this quick. There's not that many nominees. Um, You know, Rudy Gobert has won it the last couple of years. I'm not going to go with Rudy again. I'm actually going to go with Draymond Green. Uh, I think that, you know, with with those guys back in tow in Golden State, that he's going to be more motivated. Uh, It looks like he took the last couple of years off. Uh, and I, I think he's going to uh, to really go back into that form of being an elite defender. I think the the way that the refs are calling fouls now is actually going to help him um, because he's not going to be drawn into a lot of those. And I think he's going to be able to defend guards a lot better. He's going to be able to defend a lot uh, big men a lot better. Uh, so I think Draymond Green has a, a really resurgent year here, and I think he takes home Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I definitely agree with Draymond Green. The war, uh, the Warriors are going to be back, right? And when they're back. Draymond's back and I feel like his defensive ability is going to be has been dearly missed and it's going to be something that we're going to see and remember right from his previous years so I do see Draymond Green as a good option I chose Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat as my pick for defensive player of the year it all comes back to culture right Miami Heat has a culture of being that defensive minded team playing hard staying fit and bringing guys like Kyle Lowry and and PJ Tucker, I feel like solidified that defensive identity, which would make things a lot easier for Bam Adebayo from a defensive standpoint. He already showed flashes of it, and he's been roughly around top five defensive player, and I feel like he's going to take that next step. Uh, but the safe pick is Draymond Green of the Warriors, so I'll I'll probably agree with you there. Okay, and lastly, uh, Coach of the Year. So. It's going to make me sound like I'm a Miami Heat fan, but I still think that Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat will be the coach of the year. You know, getting all those pieces, Markeith Morris, Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, a new version of Victor Oladipo, hopefully uh, an increased, uh, more experienced player in Tyler Hero. 
you know, and everybody opening up, I feel like this would bode well for Miami Heat's success, not only in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. So Eric Sportsman has always been a top five coach in the league. And now that he was able to get the pieces that he can to elevate this team to another level, potentially not only make the final, but win the championship. But obviously there's a lot of teams out there in the East that are going to challenge that. I still think Eric Spolstra is going to have a phenomenal season and will be awarded as the coach of the year. Ooh, coach of the year currently held by Tom Thibodeau. Yes, sir. The real <laughs> coach of the year, my coach of the year, but Fortunately, I don't think they're going to give it to a guy two years in a row. They just don't do that typically, uh, although he deserves it every single year. Uh, I'm going to go with Billy Donovan of the Chicago Bulls, uh, more or less because of uh, where they were last year and where they're going to be this year. I think they're a playoff team this year. Um, and, you know, he is a great coach. He, he coached the, you know, the Florida Gators to many championships, NCAA championships. Um, so I think he finally has the pieces now to do it. Uh, will he do it? Who knows? But I, I think given that their jump will probably be pretty drastic from the bottom of the East to, you know, who knows, middle pack, lower playoff seed. Uh, I think that's going to give uh, him enough credence to win the coach of the year. So Billy Donovan, that's my pick. Yeah, that's a great pick. I mean, with when you look at the Chicago Bulls and the revamped offense, that is always going to reflect well on the coach. Uh, Billy Donovan has already shown promise last year in rallying the troops, just falling short of the playing tournament. But the reinforcements that they got during the offseason will push it to the next level. I, I, He's definitely going to be a finalist for sure, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won. So that's a great pick. That wraps up Rundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? All right. I didn't expect to have an AO Moment of the Week this early before the season starts, but the NBA never ceases to amaze me, right? So... We got one topic that I kind of want to touch upon, and it's been a hot topic over the last few weeks or so, I would say, and that is Kyrie Irving's immunization record. (laughs) Uh, Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, right? Just strictly his vaccination status and how that impacts not only his ability to play the season, but also impacting the potential success of the Brooklyn Nets to be able to reach their goal and to win a championship. If I was James Harden, I'd be sure as hell pissed off. I I demanded a trade to go to the Brooklyn Nets, hoping to win a championship with KD and Kyrie. And then all of a sudden you hear this bullshit, right? So Kyrie Irving, I guess, didn't believe in being vaccinated, which ultimately contradicts the rules the NBA has where the player has to be not only has to be vaccinated, but in coinciding with the city laws and regulations and the state, they say that you need to be fully vaccinated in order to be in the arena. Obviously, we play basketball in an arena. Kyrie Irving cannot play because of his vaccination status, which is holding the Brooklyn Nets back. So my question is, do you think that Kyrie Irving will play the season or is there going to be other options? Take it away, as and I'm already sick, man. <laughs> Can this just be my response? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You love to see it. This is music to my ears. Kyrie Irving, our, our resident flat earther in the NBA, refuses to get vaccinated, uh, claims that it's because of the vaccine mandates, yada, yada, yada. Listen, most of the league is vaccinated. Some teams are fully vaccinated 100%. Uh, he's clearly the outlier here without getting political, without getting into what your status is, my status is, whatever, all that stuff. 
you have a job to do and you have a state mandate that you have to abide by. Uh, and in order to play, you need to, you need to get vaccinated. And I just think it's hilarious that he's sticking to his guns. And I think it's even more hilarious that the Nets are, you know what, they're not going to let him be a part-time player. You know, technically he could play on the road against some other teams, but he wouldn't be able to play in California. He wouldn't be able to play the, the uh, you know, in New York, uh, some other Toronto, state. Toronto, could even cross the border. Couldn't even cross the border to come to play to Toronto. So, I, I applaud the Nets for making that move, uh, and I shake my head at Kyrie Irving for having an opportunity to win the championship right here, right now, and he wants to take a political stand. Look at the guys who are, um, you know, the politicians who are uh, siding with Kyrie Irving, and you'll see who's, <laughs> who's who's on the right side and who's who's not, my friend. That's it's, crazy. It's pretty clear. Uh, Kyrie's an outlier here, and he's going to... You you saw it in when they asked James Harden, said, have you, have you talked to Kyrie? And said, no, I haven't talked to him. Uh, that is going to be a chemistry issue. He's not going to be tradable uh, because he's not going to really be able to... No one wants a part-time player. Uh, so does he play this year? Oh, God, I don't know. I think we saw Andrew Wiggins kind of hold the stance and he got vaccinated. I don't think Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving are nearly uh, on the same spectrum. I know Jonathan Isaac is also a proponent of, you know, not getting the vaccine. And yeah, he's, Jonathan he's Isaac not, is really good at... Eloquently speaking about absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I don't know if, if, you know, those two guys are going to, to, you know, stick to their laurels. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a crazy situation and it's just super fun to watch for me because, you know, this net team is supposed to win a championship and now they're one of their best players just decides he doesn't want to play fully healthy, but eh. yeah, I don't know. Like, but do you think that he will play? I think eventually, I, I I think the money he's leaving on the table is just too damn much to not get vaccinated and to not play. It's just too much, man. He earns too much money. He can earn that money and then go donate it to whatever, you know, project he has or whatever foundation he wants to in order to prove a point. But you're going to let that money just burn. That's just not going to your pocket. That's just going to go into the pocket of your owner. And, you know, it's not useful to, to, to you at that point. So I think he does get vaccinated eventually. I don't think it's going to be for the beginning of the season we're only a couple days out from it um so it's going to be crazy to track this story man it, it's it's so insane it's going to be really interesting how this will impact brooklyn going forward uh but obviously i'm a Kyrie guy and i hate to see that he's in this position right now where you know he's not taking what science is giving us at this point i definitely want to see Kyrie play he's a box office attraction Overall, great guy off the court by providing for his community and whatnot. But it's always these little things that are always going to taint all the work that he's done. So let's just hope that Kyrie Irving could muster up the effort to get vaccinated and play basketball and just make things exciting. So we'll see what the Brooklyn Nets will do moving forward. So that wraps up AO Moment of the Week. Let's head on over to Games of the Week real quick. I love this game! <laughs> Let's just keep it simple here. I personally think that this Brooklyn Nets-Bucks game this Tuesday is going to be epic. I mean, it all came down to KD's one-size-shoe-bigger that changed the whole face of that series in Game 7 where he stepped on the line and could have had a game-winning three-point shot to push the Nets to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it did not happen, and ultimately the Milwaukee Bucks won and headed on over to win a championship. This is definitely going to be on the back of KD and James Harden's mind as they take on the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday. So that is going to be my game, the Avengers game. Will KD show Giannis who the real champions will be? Or will Giannis be able to show what he's able to add 
as part of his repertoire this season with his ability to shoot the basketball and show the world that the Milwaukee Bucks are here and will always be here. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. Uh, my game is that same night. It's uh, the Warriors and the Lakers. I mean, the Warriors have really been gone for the last two years with the injuries to Clay and to Steph and, and to all those guys. And, and the Lakers are, again, a new-look Lakers. It feels like we say this every year, they're the new-look Lakers. But that's going to be a real statement game for Golden State. Are they really back? Listen, that West is going to be very, very tough. Uh, and, and this Golden State team is, is, is getting older and is getting, you know, a little less durable, uh, you know, when it comes to the season. So um, I'd like to see if Golden State is who we thought they were. Uh, are they going to be a top seed? Are they going to be a middle of the pack? Are they going to just sneak into the playoffs? This will be their first test against the Lakers, I believe, in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. Yes, in L.A., against the new Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, Anthony Davis team. This is the game for me to be like, okay, they're back. You know, Steph is back. MVP form. Klay Thompson didn't lose a step. Klay Thompson getting injured two years in a row. We don't know what Klay Thompson we're going to get. So that's my game of the week. Yeah. I don't know if Klay Thompson is playing. Is he, is he cleared to play tomorrow or Tuesday, rather? You know what? He might not be. I I might. You know what? It's been a very long off season, uh, yeah. and it's been a lot of stories to, to keep track of. <laughs> Let's pretend he is. If he's not playing, then we're gonna have to park that game of the week uh, into another game of the week. You know, in the future when he does get cleared to return. But sure. needless to say, Golden State being back is a game of the week whenever they're at full strength. Sounds like a plan, my friend. So that wraps up games of the week, and that wraps up our episode. Thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gamepoint Pod on IG and Gamepoint Pod underscore on Twitter. We are on all three platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google platforms. Add reviews if you can. That'd be greatly appreciated. With that being said, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things off? We are the New York Knicks. We are the oh New York my goodness. We are the New York Knicks. Same story over and over again. Go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. All right, that wraps up our episode. Go New York, go New York, go.